SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204, and I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, taking you through the next three hours here on the grid. We always love to give you the edge. We love to break down the big storylines of the day. Now, everyone in Sports Talk Radio is going to talk about Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks, and maybe some Ben Simmons and NBA trading blocks. Okay, no, no, no. Here, we're going to talk about the worst beat that I've had since the Super Bowl MVP. We have some great guests coming on later today, and we're going to have Mark Zeno from here on Sports Grid. He's going to break down the SEC with us, Major League Baseball recaps, NFL training camp. But first, I have to get to what bothered me the most in the last 12 hours. I went to sleep so angry last night. The Yankees, under 5.5 for their team total, was my best bet of the day. Seems like a lock, honestly, in the seventh inning. It was 0-0 going into the seventh. I thought, wow, okay, I capped this well. Forget about the whole wind and weather factors thing. This is great. Yeah, uh, not so fast. The Yankees end up winning 8-6. You're going to say, what? 0-0 going into the 7th? Yeah, uh, 6th inning, 0-0. 7th inning, 1-1. 8th inning, 2-2. Ninth inning, the Yankees are up 3-2. In the bottom of the ninth. all Zach Britton, the Yankees' closer, has to do is close out the game with three outs, and the Royals tie it at 3 then the 10th inning, the Yankees are up 5-3. to three. All the Yankees' bullpen has to do is close it out in the bottom of the 10th. Nope, Royals tie it at 5. Yankees still under 5.5, but now your total of 10.5 is very close also. Oh, forget it. Anyone who had any under in this game, it loses. 8-6 is your final score, and the New York Yankees end up getting the win. But do I care as a Yankees fan? Nope because I'm a better first these days. My co-host Ben Stevens joining me now. Ben, that was a long intro, but I had to get it out because the best thing about having a talk show is being able to just voice all of our emotions by 9 a.m. Listen, I really feel for you on that because it is a brutal, brutal beat. In my lexicon of my vocabulary, I would call that a material change, something that is so crazy, unprecedented, has never happened in the history of the game for a certain franchise. You cannot predict that. You cannot get ahead and understand when history might happen for the first time on an evening in Kansas City. So thus, a material change. But what I will say, Ariel, and what maybe I hope that you did to try to negate some of the ill feelings you had towards the Yankees or the Royals or both, is jump in in-game live. Because... When you get to late scenarios, especially in the ninth and then in extra innings, when you have a runner starting on scoring, starting on second base in scoring position, you have ample opportunities to hit a live total and go over. That is the nature of how things work in Major League Baseball now. When you get to the ninth inning and the tenth inning to have opportunities to find that edge because when runners start on second base in scoring position, more times than not, once you get to those extra frames, you are going to have runs being scored. And if it was a low-scoring game for a good majority of it, you'll have a lower total than you had pregame. So did that happen? Was there anything you could find value-wise value in-game live, Ariel FC? 
No. Are you kidding me? Okay. Absolutely not. Yeah. I was not looking sure. at the board for the live odds. All I was doing was watching the game and thinking to myself, there's no way this doesn't hit, right? There's no way this mm. doesn't hit, right? And then, of course, it doesn't hit. Could I have jumped in live? Sure. Is it what I thought about? No, because I was already upset. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. First hour here on the morning after. Sirius XM Channel 204. The Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. The West Coasters, you might have watched this game because this Yankees-Royals game was as late as a West Coast game probably would have been. Most games, if they start at 10 p.m. here on the East Coast, end around 1 a.m. Eastern time. This game ending around 1 a.m. last night because it decided to go to, what, 11 innings? This was the most disgusting beat that I've seen in a long time. Twitter, at least this morning, was on my side. But here's what cracks me up, Ben. People were saying to me on Twitter, hey, this is why you have to bet first fives. This is why you should bet like this. Guys, this has never happened before. You don't have to tell me how to bet. This has never happened. This is so unprecedented. I don't need to change how I bet. It was just a bad beat. Right. The cap was right there. You were spot on with everything in your assessment of that, even on a very hot and muggy night in Kansas City. Everything was going well until it didn't. And again, you mentioned it. Zach Britton coming in to try to close out that game in the home half of the ninth inning at Kauffman Stadium. Of course, our oldest Chapman, the Yankees' normal closer, on the IL as of right now, a part of a litany of injury issues for those New York Yankees. That being said, our oldest Chapman hasn't been great this year. But still, you probably have a little bit more confidence in Chapman taking the bump for an opportunity for a save than Zach Britton at the moment, unable to close it out, and the Royals come back. And that total goes all the way over. To think that it was scoreless heading into the seventh and ends up with a total of 14 runs, that Ariel I've seen a very bad beat. But your handicapping is strong, as they say and as you know in this sports betting industry. If the cap is right and even the bet loses, at least you can hang your hat on knowing that repeatable success will come from doing that really hard work of the handicapping itself. Sometimes the outcome just doesn't go in your favor. That was the case last night. A historically bad beat, but again, we cannot predict history. We are not fortune tellers. We do not look into the future. So I think overall, Ariel, I still trust you and will tell you at all times. Thanks, Ben Stevens. I appreciate it. Unfortunately, my bankroll doesn't tell me that, and I still am a loser. If you ask me about the Yankees today, no, not happening. Not going back to it. I'm going to see how the game plays out tonight. Then we'll see if we want to jump in on another under tomorrow. We do have hard knocks starting tonight in the NFL. It really is. I know the Hall of Fame game is what starts the NFL season. Hard knocks to me, there's no going back now. We're here. It's time for football. We'll give you some training camp updates and how it might have impacted lines coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
We're back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to check us out on social media at our Twitter pages, Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV. You get all the latest updates, breaking news, line changes, and more by following us there on Twitter, Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV. Now, in the NFL, we do have hard knocks starting tonight. Training camp has been underway, and there was some new news this morning. The recent news on the quarterback for the Texans, Deshaun Watson, yesterday was that he arrived back to practice after missing five days. Watson was at the first five days of training camp, then didn't come for five days, arrived to practice yesterday, yet the Houston Texans announced Watson is not expected to travel with the team to their first preseason game. Ben, this isn't surprising, considering... Mm. Dak Prescott didn't even travel to the Hall of Fame game, the quarterback for the Cowboys. It doesn't shock me that Watson's not traveling with the Texans this week. Yeah, not at all. I mean, even if he was happy to be in Houston, I'm not sure he plays more than a series or maybe two anyway, if he even plays at all in this opening preseason game. And right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Texans, a three-point underdog on the road. They go to take on the Green Bay Packers this upcoming Saturday. The total for that game, 33 and a half. And as we discuss preseason handicapping, we're going to be looking at two young quarterbacks in this matchup. Jordan Love for the Green Bay Packers and Davis Mills, the rookie out of Stanford for the Houston Texans. Know that when you go into your handicapping, if you like a side more or if you don't think a lot of points are going to be scored with some rookies trying to adapt to the NFL and maybe leaning to the under of that 33 and a half total. Not surprising that Deshaun's not traveling with the team to Green Bay to take part in this. I mean, he just got back on the practice field yesterday after missing a few days this past week. Head coach in Houston, Dave. David Culley has not really said what the future of Deshaun Watson is hold. He has alluded to that at times they might hold Deshaun out of practice to not be a distraction if he doesn't really want to be there. So still so much drama in Houston with Deshaun Watson and his even playing ability this year for the Houston Texans. Nick Casario going on Houston Sports Talk Radio this morning, the GM for the Texans, and saying Deshaun Watson will not travel with the team to Green Bay most likely. Also, if you're thinking of trading Watson, why even put him at risk for injury? Yeah, no thank you. Now, when it comes to drama, drama in Texas didn't even seem as bad as drama in New Orleans. The Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas not only tweeted yesterday that, quote, they tried to damage your reputation, you saved theirs by not telling your side of the story. There was a tweet that I'm pretty sure Pro Football Focus or somebody, somebody tweeted out. I don't know who it was, but somebody tweeted it out and said, quote, I think the Saints urged Michael Thomas not to get surgery last season in hopes to win a ring for Breeze last year. Now they blame him for not being healthy. Thomas liked the tweet. Liking the tweet may say it all. If he likes that tweet, maybe that's exactly what he was alluding to. The head coach of the New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton, said he wasn't giving into the media speculation. Uh, Sean, I know last week you talked about communication and how good it is from the top down. If a player, Michael Thomas, sent out a tweet, do you have to worry about a player kind of doing things in social media and in, in fracturing the communication or how it affects the rest of the team? I, look, we're focused on our guys, and obviously we're focused on Mike getting healthy. Um, but outside of that, you know, that's never been an issue. Do you want to address anything he insinuated today? No, I don't want to have a press conference based on social media. 
I'll tell you this, the Vandal Sportsbook doesn't have any futures options available for Michael Thomas receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, not even on the list for being a leading receiver or touchdowns later this year in the NFL. Ben, when you see that the odds makers aren't even listing odds for a wide receiver, how concerning is that? Well, the Saints, who are a full-blown stay-away team, are quickly becoming a full-blown fade team, in my opinion. When you look at the odds right now around the New Orleans Saints, it's not exactly things that would leave you running scared necessarily because they are plus 330 to win the NFC South, the second shortest odds behind the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are plus 1300 or 1600 rather, excuse me, to win the NFC, the seventh best odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Where I would look, if you're trying to fade the New Orleans Saints, is not only at the under of their team win total, which we will discuss a little bit later, but also at the make or miss playoff odds. The no has the juice right now at minus 134. There are seven spots available for those playoffs in the NFC. So potentially a wild card spot is available for New Orleans if they are not going to win the NFC South, which nobody really expects them to, having the Bucks in that division. But they have so many concerns outside of Michael Thomas, they're not even sure who will be throwing the ball to the wide receivers at this stage right now. It has reportedly been neck and neck between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston throughout all of Saints training camp. So, so much around this New Orleans Saints team right now about actual on-field decisions needing to be made, let alone the off-field stuff that might keep their best receiver off the field for what seems like a considerable chunk of this NFL season. And if he returns or when he returns, how happy will he be? So again, the Saints are going from a stay-away team maybe to a fade team because I would look at the under of their team win total and the make-miss playoff odds to try to look away from fa- or look to fading the New Orleans Saints. Right. Essentially, if you're betting on the Saints, you're betting on Sean Payton, Alvin Kamara, and the Saints defense. You're not betting on the quarterback. Jameis Winston had the most turnovers in the NFL two years ago. Taysom Hill has never been a starting quarterback except once or twice last year, has taken snaps with the ones. It's not enough to make me want to go and back the Saints this year. No, thank you. Staying away, even if Sean Payton's one of the best head coaches in the league. I'm not about it. As for a running back in the league that is coming back and potentially sooner than anticipated, the Giants running back Saquon Barkley arrived to practice yesterday dressed in uniform. It's the first time that Barkley practiced on the field with his team since tearing his right ACL in Game 2 of last season. He ran routes for his quarterback Daniel Jones, took handoffs behind the first-team offensive line. Barkley said that he's not going to rush himself back. However, Ben, unlike Michael Thomas, Barkley does have odds up on the FanDuel Sportsbook for being the rushing leader for rushing yards props, 1,175 and a half. Here's where the 1,175 and a half plays a role. You're essentially just betting that Saquon's going to play all year. When he played 16 games, he hit this over in his first season in the NFL. His second year, he got 100 yards within that. He just only played 13 games. Then last year, of course, only played two. If Barkley plays 15 games this year, I see him going over that prop. The question is, will he? Yeah, I think he will. And I think the idea right now around Saquon Barkley is, will he be ready for week one? And both Saquon and Joe Judge yesterday at Giants training camp were not really committal on the idea that Saquon might be available for week number one. Still playing it slow, still worried about what Saquon is doing. And that's what Saquon himself said yesterday, that it's great that he's back out there, but as this ACL injury rehab has gone underway for him, it's more about later in the week, after exerting it a little bit and building up that strength once again 
in that right knee. So it's great to be back out there, but no determination necessarily will be made at the moment. But if he is available week one or even week two, and he stays healthy throughout the majority of this season, that's at least 16 games if he's playing by week two. And again, a 17-game NFL regular season, that if that prop is right there around 1175 and a half, you have to feel pretty confident about Saquon going over that number in a better offense with more weapons available for Daniel Jones in his third year. It's just a matter of that health, but things are pointing in a very positive direction for the Giants and Saquon Barkley at the moment. I want to take a look at this. Warren Sharp, amazing magazine, by the way, if you want to go and get the insight into the NFL, previewing the season, how all these teams have looked different. The top 10 offensive lines is where Warren Sharp posted this yesterday to his Twitter page. Top 10 O-lines are uh, the Carolina, where does it say? Okay, the Carolina Panthers, number one, Baltimore Ravens, number two, the Minnesota Vikings, three, the Bears, four, the Broncos, five, or excuse me, I'm reading this out of order. Panthers, 10, Ravens, nine, Vikings, eight, Bears, seven, Broncos, six, Rams, five, Washington, four, 49ers, three, the Steelers, two, and the Bucks one. So the Bucks, according to Warren Sharp, have the best offensive line in the NFL. The Steelers, number two, Ben. Whatever Warren Sharp says, you believe in. Regardless of what his positional rankings are, what unit they are, O-line, D-line, linebackers, wide receivers, if Warren Sharp leads you with some analytics, you listen, and that is something you take into your handicapping. Hmm, Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe their run game actually will play a factor this year. Major League Baseball from a gambling perspective. Recaps from last night up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Just because I left off the last segment a little confusing, we are talking about the front sevens defensively and the Steelers, it makes sense. Yes, top uh, their number two defensive line. So just leave me alone. I'm still annoyed about the Yankees and my brain's all clustered all over the place thinking about first fives, front fives, and front sevens. Anyway, um, Major League Baseball recap last night. I'm going to stay away from the Yankees for now because there were other games that were played last night. And the Chicago White Sox were one of them. The White Sox beat the Minnesota Twins 11-1, to catching in at minus 215 on the money line. The total was 9, which the White Sox went over with their own team total of 11. And ESPN Stats and Info tweeted out about Eloy Jimenez, who is the first player in White Sox history with two home runs and five RBI in consecutive games. He's the first player to do it overall since Bryce Harper in 2015. It's amazing what Jimenez is doing. He tore his left pectoral tendon back in March and was expected to miss five to six months. August was very out of sight, Ben. And for Jimenez to come back and come back strong, it's impressive. Adding Eloy Jimenez back to the third best offense in all of MLB is certainly something that the south side of Chicago can get behind because you add back Eloy Jimenez. Luis Rober was back last night as well. You have an offense now that is absolutely at full strength. And when you have Eloy Jimenez going back-to-back games with two home runs 
and five RBIs. Yeah, things are good. He did it against the Cubs on Sunday night and last night against the Twins. Also something to keep in mind about Minnesota, the highest over percentage in all of Major League Baseball this season for the Minnesota Twins. That actually goes up when the Twins are on the road, but certainly does not stop them in the Twin Cities as well. And Ariel, as you know, Lucas Giolito was fantastic last night. An absolutely dominant performance and huge for that White Sox starting staff because Lucas Giolito has been a little bit inconsistent this year. He had six earned runs allowed in the most recent start he had against Kansas City, bouncing back big last night against the Minnesota Twins. And now when you're looking at the White Sox and you have all those pieces offensively and a healthy and efficient Lucas Giolito along with Lance Lynn, who might win the AL Cy Young, Dallas Keuchel on the mound tonight. You also have Carlos Rodon. You have a team... That seems primed to make a deep postseason run. The White Sox right now, the second shortest odds to win the American League pennant on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 270. The third shortest odds to win the World Series at plus 600. The White Sox are true contenders. And if the offense and Aloy Jimenez are as good as they were last night, coupled with Lucas Giolito and that starting staff, the White Sox could have some value right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 80-1 to 1, American League Cy Young for Giolito, which is the 10th best odds on the board. Another game last night, the Cleveland Indians beat the Cincinnati Reds 9-3. to 3. The Indians cash plus 150 on the money line. The total of 8.5 goes over 9-3 final score. It ends Cincinnati's five-game win streak. Also, Ben, I know that you liked Cincinnati yesterday. It was very strange considering this team ends up, uh, in the second half of the season when they're on the road. They're averaging just over six runs per game. Yeah, there was a lot in the capping yesterday that would make you feel very good about the Reds. The best offense in baseball since the All-Star break, but not going over their team total of five and a half despite a high-scoring game. Another reason I felt confident in Cincy yesterday, and I was going to bring this up, we just ran out of time, was Luis Castillo, who was the starter for the Reds because entering yesterday, he had won three straight starts, and after an ERA of 6-2-9 in April... 8.04 ERA in May, which he lost every start in that month. All six starts in May, he lost. He had a 1.71 ERA in June, a 2.15 ERA in July, was starting to turn out to be a great starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Well, what does he do last night? Three and a third, seven hits allowed, eight earned runs. So after Luis Castillo had turned things around in June and July in a great first start in the month of August, his second start in the month of August, not so good. He gets shelled, the Reds lose, and they don't go over their team total of five and a half. It was raining-ish. It was consistent rain, light rain. Maybe you could just attribute it to that. Bad weather, sure. they weren't in the mood to hit. It's, yeah, same thing. I do kind of like that bet tonight, though, with those Reds and the team total. But we'll talk about it in happy hour. We have to welcome in our MSG audience. We'll talk New York baseball coming up next. It's Sirius XM Channel 204. Welcome to our MSG audience here in the first hour of the morning after on Sports Grid. We're also on Sirius XM Channel 204 in the Mad Year 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. In Major League Baseball last night, the favorites ended up going 3-1 and one straight up. Favorites have been hitting at 75% in the last six days. One of the favorites that prevailed last night was the New York Yankees. They come away with the win in the 11th inning against the Kansas City Royals winning 8-6. Now, if you went to sleep early last night, you're probably wondering, 8-6? This game was scoreless going into the 7th inning. Yeah, it was. And 14 runs were scored ever since then. The outfielder for the 
uh, New York Yankees, Brett Gardner, spoke out after the game saying he basically was out of breath. It felt like five hours. It felt like it was a little warm outside today, too, here. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously just go back and try and get some good rest and hydrate and be ready to go tomorrow. I think it's supposed to be supposed to be the same weather. Hopefully we can play a little shorter game tomorrow. But, um, yeah, just proud of the way the guys up and down the lineup continue to fight and continue to tack on runs and, and coming through in big spots. And um, happy we got this win. I'm not going to go on another rant. I already did it at the top of the hour. Ben, this game for anyone that bet an under, whether it was Yankees team total under a five and a half, like my best bet of the day, whether it was the under ten and a half total runs in the game, whoever lost on an under, I feel terrible for you, and I'm here for you. Listen, I'm very proud of you for being able to have that resolve to talk about the Yankees game once again and that terrible beat that you are seeing right there done because of history. The Royals, the first team ever in the modern era to erase deficits in the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th inning. Four straight innings. The Royals came back to lengthen this game. The Yankees ultimately prevailing. And again, here is our daily updated seams of New York baseball and their odds to win the American League pennant. They are getting shorter by the day. 10-1 to 1 yesterday, now 7-1 to 1 to win the AL pennant. When you look at the Yankees' odds to win the World Series, those are also getting shorter plus 1,300, 13 to 1 to win the World Series, fourth out of all AL teams. The Yankees are fourth to win the American League pennant, the fourth shortest odds, the fourth shortest odds out of AL teams to win the World Series because the Yankees are only two games back of that wild card spot. The Yankees are playing a lot better baseball after the All-Star break, firmly in the second half of this season. And despite the fact they blew leads throughout a majority of the late slate of that game last night, Still being able to find that resolve and get a win. So again, if you're looking for value on the Yankees, I would not so much look at the American League East, although we have about a month and a half left of Major League Baseball in this regular season. I still think Tampa wins that division. But if you're looking for value on the Yankees, it's getting less and less by the day. So if you want to back the pinstripes now, I would jump in on those American League pennant odds. 7-1, to one, plus 700 to win the AL pennant. Because if the Yankees are there, Ariel... That's where they have some value. If they get into the American League playoff picture, which I expect them to be in the wild card spot, they do have some value, in my opinion, at plus 700 to win the pennant. It's so hard for me to speak about the Yankees in a positive way today, but I'm going to try to do it. The Yankees are only two games back in the wild card race. It's amazing. At the all-star break, to the no, it was minus 210 for the Yankees to make the playoffs. No was the heavy juice. You probably would be getting that in minus money, if not plus 110 to the yes for the Yankees to make the playoffs if the odds were actually posted. They're not. We can't get those options anymore. But it's something to keep an eye out for in case you do see it in the marketplace. Now, switching over to the National League, the New York Mets last week at this time were in first place of the National League East. This week at this time, they're in third place, back by two and a half games. The Mets also have the third best odds now to win the National League East. The Philadelphia Phillies have the best odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook at minus 140. The Braves plus mm. 250, and the Mets are at 3-1. to one. This Phillies team was around 3-1, to one, even maybe 4-1, to one, to win this division within this last month. Ben, it's amazing how much this has flipped on the National League East. It's crazy to me, Ariel, with how tightly contested things are in the National League East and the fact that it has flipped for the first time since May 8th, just this past weekend, But the Phillies are now in minus money category because 
They might have that lead over the Mets and the Braves, but it's not by much as I pull up the NLE standings right here. They have a two-game lead over Atlanta, a two-and-a-half game lead over the Mets. Now, the Mets are back in action tonight, beginning a big series against a divisional foe in the Washington Nationals. Obviously, the Nats are not great right now. You're seeing that in the odds for today's game. The Mets minus 235 with Cookie Carrasco on the bump. New York has lost four straight games, eight of their last ten. Two-and-a-half games back now, like we mentioned for that top spot in the National League East. You look at the total for today's game. It's at eight and a half. The Mets are at home in City Field. They have the highest under percentage of all teams in Major League Baseball when playing at home this year at nearly 69%, 68.8%. But this is a good chance for the Mets beginning this series to start out this week to maybe make up some ground. The Phillies are taking on the Dodgers. It's in the city of brotherly love, but still obviously a very tough series when you're taking on the L.A. Dodgers. And the Braves take on a very hot Cincinnati Reds team who prior to yesterday had won five straight games. So maybe this is an opportunity for the Mets to make up some ground because the Mets schedule after this series against the Nats gets very, very difficult very, very soon. Ben, if you had to guess the line as to where the Mets to make the playoff odds would be right now, where would you set it? Ooh, it's not good because if they're plus 300 to win the NL East, like we've mentioned, the teams in the NL East are so far back from the National League wild card that's occupied by the Dodgers and the Padres that it's probably similar to those odds to win the NL East. I'd give them plus 280 right now if they're plus 300 to win the National League East. Fair. Makes sense. Coming up next, we're going to talk some college football, a little more Major League Baseball. It's a new guest here on the show, but not to Sports Grid. I'm so excited, and you'll have to wait and see, because coming up next, it's going to be a great segment to break down all you need to know about the SEC. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time, all right here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us from here on the grid, you can catch him on In Game Live. It's Mark Zinno. Mark, thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning, Ariel. Good morning, Ben. Good to be with you guys. First time on our show, I'm real excited because you said that you are all over the SEC. Now, college football is approaching, it's happening this month. And for the SEC, the odds indicate that Alabama is the heavy favorite. How are you going to find value within this conference? I don't really know that there is any. I mean, Georgia right now to win the SEC, I think, is at plus 190. That's probably the best value you're going to get. They're really the only true contender in the conference that you can really look at. I know A&M is getting a lot of love, and I know Jimbo Fisher is supposed to turn the page, and there is value there on A&M. But the real question is their whole season, and that whole bet comes down to one game when A&M plays Alabama during the regular season. They lose that game. Your money is initial, essentially gone at that point in time. 
Um, so it, it's a really tough bet across the board. I don't know anybody in the SEC East that really can challenge Georgia. I mean, the SEC right now, guys, is going through this really big quarterback transition, including Alabama. I mean, the only real returners are Matt Corral at Ole Miss and JT Daniels at Georgia. Daniels getting a lot of Heisman consideration, so that's part of the reason why Georgia is such a, a low number at this point in time. Uh, we've seen Heisman favorites early on flame out. But JT Daniels is the guy that George is counting on to be able to expand that offense and start to look like a 2021 offense under Kirby Smart, which he hasn't had his entire tenure there. So I'm not sure that there's any other safe bet to make other than Alabama. If you like Georgia, you certainly can take him. But beyond those two teams, I really think it's scared money at this point in time. So, Mark, if there's not value necessarily in the conference champion or maybe even in the conference divisional winners, do you find value in a team win total? And if so, what school would you be targeting? Uh, well, for me, I am looking at death taxes and old Miss overs this year. I mean, Lane Kiffin is going to, to score at will as much as he can. I think that's sort of not necessarily an underrated team or an under-the-radar team, but he's out to prove a lot this year. I, I like Ole Miss to win a lot of games. I, I like them to be competitive in the SEC West. The problem is, guys, is that, again, you know, are they as good as Alabama? No. Are they as good as, as Auburn and LSU at this point in time? It's like there's all these other schools in the SEC West that are fighting to be the third-best team in that division behind Alabama, A&M, uh, Auburn, and everybody else. But I do like Ole Miss to exceed their win total, and I do like them a lot with overs this year, especially early on. I think their opening number against Louisville is 74. I'd still hammer the over because I think Kiffin's going to try to put up 50 every single chance he gets. Yeah, that high-power offense is going to be a big threat to the SEC and any of their opponents. When it comes to Week 1, as you mentioned, what is a Week 1 game featuring an SEC team that has stood out to you? I mean, obviously, George Clemson's going to draw all the eyes, right, for – week one uh and even though it's not an interconference game uh it's one of those games where really you're going to get a true test from both of these teams to see who they really are uh dj ungalele is obviously getting his chance to start over at clemson but i do like georgia in that spot right there uh, especially being the fact uh, that that they're they are going to try to set a tone early on for this game up against Clemson. I think there's value with Georgia early on. Uh, you're not going to get a chance to see them be a dog all that much, so you can take it and, and hopefully run with it. Both of these teams will look to find out where they are really, really early on. So, Mark, it should be a battle between Alabama and Georgia to be the SEC champion. Bama minus 160, the odds-on favorite, UGA plus 190. They also have two of the three shortest odds to win the national championship. Alabama the favorite at plus 250, Georgia third at 5-1. to one. Both of these teams, even if only one wins the SEC, obviously could still make the college football playoff. What do you think of their aspirations to win a national championship this year with Alabama and Georgia? Well, the smart money obviously is on Alabama, but I would tell you that if you're looking at the SEC, you pick Alabama or Georgia from a betting standpoint. I wouldn't look at either. It's a, you know an either-or situation. I would look outside to Ohio State. I would look at Clemson. Look at Oklahoma. A great value at plus 800. I mean, when you get to the college football playoff, as we've seen, to beat Alabama, you need a mobile, fast sort of you know out of the pocket scramble, make things up as you go, quarterback. Oklahoma certainly has the offense to do it. They could catch Alabama 
on a bad day. They could catch Georgia on a bad day. They've certainly been susceptible defensively, Georgia, to getting beat up by mobile quarterbacks over the past couple of seasons. So I think it's an either-or with Alabama or Georgia. I wouldn't necessarily put my money in more than one spot on an SEC team, but I would look outside the conference as far as uh, the possibility of a national champion where you're getting you know better, better value and, and, and a bigger number. Speaking of the future of the SEC, there's going to be two new teams that are going to be coming in featuring Texas, Oklahoma. How are you going to change your handicap of this conference once the two new teams come in from the Big 12? Uh, I'll still continue to fade Texas as many opportunities as I get. <laughs> Um, I, at this point, like, let's see what happens. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian obviously knows the SEC very well. He's coached there, so he knows it very well, and he knows the level of competition. But can he recruit to the level of talent that's going to be sustained in the SEC? That's really the big question. Until you see otherwise, and we won't get the litmus test until they actually get there, um, I don't know how much their non-conference schedule in, in the coming seasons until they actually make the transition would test them enough to know. But I would tell you I'd probably still fade Texas early on as they get into the SEC. I give Oklahoma a little bit better of a puncher's chance, mostly because of Lincoln Riley and the way he runs his offense and the quarterbacks that he has there. Because, again, they can get around an Alabama defense. And, oh, by the way, again, if you're looking for you know something to, to stay on Alabama, their defense is going to be insanely good. Uh, they are going to be so tough up front. Um, teams are not going to be able to score on them a lot. And that's one of the things that I don't think – that Oklahoma and Texas are ready is for an SEC defense week in and week out. Even the, the average SEC defenses like the Auburns and the LSUs are still going to give a ton of problems to teams from the Big 12 that just don't really get used to playing a whole lot of defense at all. 2025 can't come soon enough, or maybe it might be a little bit sooner maybe than 2025. Sooner. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the college football and college sports landscape. But Mark, you highlighted a couple of the best quarterbacks in the SEC returning this year. JT Daniels for Georgia, a new face for Alabama in Bryce Young. They are tied for the third shortest odds right now to win the Heisman Trophy on FanDuel at 12 to 1. Is there another guy that you think might be a little bit more under the radar that could be a big time performer this upcoming college football season? I mean, Bryce Young in Alabama, there's no reason not to believe he can do everything that Max Jones did and more. I mean, yes, it's Bill O'Brien, so it's a different offensive coordinator. But here's the rub on this, guys, is that you know the last time Alabama really struggled um, when they changed offensive coordinators was because they were still in that pocket passer mentality quarterback style. And so it, it gave you know Sark a little bit of an issue when he was the OC there that he couldn't really scheme the way he wanted to. That's not the case for Bryce Young. That's not the case for Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien obviously knows how to scheme a talented young quarterback because clearly he had Deshaun Watson. Now, outside of the fact that Bill O'Brien was a terrible NFL head coach, but at least let's give him credit offensively for being able to understand what to do with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson and a quarterback like Bryce Young. So from that standpoint, I think Alabama won't have a problem keeping up um, with playing that fast-paced up style of offense where they spread things out and the quarterback can use his legs. So Bryce Young has every reason to believe that he can make a ton of noise the same way Mac Jones did last year, coming in relatively unheralded uh, in the SEC. Mark Zeno from here on Sports Grid joining us. You can catch him on in-game live here on the grid. But Mark, when it comes to the national championship or even just the college football playoff, we're not expanded yet. We're still at four teams over under one and a half SEC teams in the college football playoff this year. I mean, traditional wisdom would say take the under. Um, it's tough to get both of them in. You're going to need Georgia to stay undefeated and Alabama to stay undefeated and have the loser of the SEC championship game get their way in. Now, 
Is Georgia susceptible to dumping a game to Florida? Sure they are. Are they susceptible to losing a game they shouldn't? Yes, because it's happened pretty much to every Kirby Smart team that he's had with the exception of one of them. So from that standpoint, I would say the odds are it's probably going to be under. Uh, and, and the college football playoff committee has always sort of looked for diversity. You really need to make a really compelling case in order to sneak both teams in. Uh, from the SEC, you really need a chance of, you know, and again, it was LSU, Alabama, where they were clearly so much better uh, from an eye test standpoint that it, it didn't matter uh, what their record was at one point in time. So I would just probably play the under just based off of the historical nature of what the college football playoff committee has done. You know, somebody else is going to make some noise, whether it's Ohio State or Oklahoma, and maybe even somebody from the Pac-12. Look, if USC has the year that you would expect them to from a talent standpoint, and they can be a one-loss team um, and win the Pac-12, I think they would sneak in over a one-loss SEC team unless they were undefeated going into uh, the SEC championship game. Speaking of over-unders of one and a half, not only is Mark Zinno a great SEC mind, but also here on SportsGrid covers all of the sports, including Major League Baseball, and he presented this hypothetical for the potential of the National League playoff picture and teams coming out of the NL East. There will be a winner of the worst division in baseball, whether it's Philly, Atlanta, or the New York Mets. Somebody will be in the National League playoff picture. So Mark asked this question on Twitter, over-under, one and a half playoff wins for an NL East team in that NLDS series. So, Mark, what was your thought process there for posing that question, and what would your answer be? Well, on the and the other components of this, Ben, is that on the off chance that somehow they could catch a wild card, I mean, there's still probably 40, 50 games left in the season that one of them could catch the wild card. That's one of the hiccups, right? Because they would get one win in the wild card if they advanced to the NLDS. But let's just say that doesn't happen. And you're looking at three teams right now that have been hovering around 500 for a better part of the season that likely will meet the Giants or the Dodgers in round one, possibly even the Milwaukee Brewers. I just don't know that given these three teams where they are right now, when you look at the pitching staffs of San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Milwaukee, that they could even push this series to five games. I mean, that's really all you're asking them to do. The best lineup of the three remaining teams, because they're the healthiest, is the Philadelphia Phillies. And I don't have a whole lot of faith in them. Um, and they're a 25-32 and 32 team on the road. I mean, you know, they're the lower-seeded team, so clearly they're going to have to play three games on the road. I, I just I don't see an NL East team pushing up any sort of effort or any sort of fight against superior teams like the Dodgers, Giants, and Brewers at this point in time. So the only thing that would scare me is that if the Mets can catch health and catch fire and win the division and you get DeGrom and Syndergaard, that's really the only way I could see them winning two close games and pushing it to five. But other than that, I don't know that there's a team. The Braves certainly don't have the starting pitching to scare anybody. The Phillies, maybe. But beyond that, again, I think the only situation that would scare me um, in not taking over is the Mets in that case. And at this point, the health of those two guys, DeGrom and Syndergaard, is too much to question to even bet the over. Switching over to the American League, only about a minute left, and I know you said you're a New Yorker. Mark, when it comes to the New York Yankees, how much faith do you have in this team to even make the playoffs? Well, the fan of me would say a lot, but the sample size that I'm looking at for this season doesn't leave me a lot of faith. Now, last night's game, and I'm sorry, Ariel, uh, yeah, it was a real kick in the pants, <laughs> but that's the kind of game that they've been losing all year long, and they're starting to win them now. They're catching a little momentum at the right time. They're going to need help, though, because if they want to really make some noise in the playoffs, I have a hard time believing they can win a wild card game and then go on the road and win a division series and then go on the road and win an LCS in order to get to a World Series. They need to win this division 
Um, and it's not like it's out of their grasp totally. Again, only six games behind. So I, I believe the Yankees, they're starting to play better baseball. I think Aaron Boone is still a major stumbling block for this team. But they're also starting to hit, guys, and that's really the biggest thing. If they can play to the back of the baseball cards from an offensive standpoint, they really got a shot in this thing. That's the concerning part, that they have to rely on their bats. They don't have any yeah. pitching. And also, I learned from the Yes Network broadcast last night that the Yankees have played the most games decided by one or two runs in Major League Baseball, which is why the run line is always where you have to look with Yankees games. Mark Zeno, catch him on In Game Live and all over the Sports Grid Network. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Coming up next, we'll close out our number one with our Fade the Public poll. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out hour number one here on the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It's time for our poll. Let's get to Fade the Public. The poll today is regarding the NFL preseason. Over or under, two series of veteran quarterback a veteran starting quarterback should play in the preseason. The public has spoken and majority says under. It's about 62% of the public saying that you should play under one and a half series if you're a veteran starting quarterback in the preseason. Ben, are you feeding the public? I mean, I agree with the public here. I wish I could not, but I do. 62% of them saying under one and a half. I might even go under one or maybe just say that veteran quarterbacks early on in the preseason especially should not be playing at all if you have somebody that is a solidified starter i don't think a couple of reps especially in the first preseason game is going to make any sort of discernible difference you think tom brady needs to go out there and play a couple snaps you think aaron Rodgers needs to go out there and play a couple snaps you also don't really get into your rhythm if you're just out there for one or two drives it doesn't do a lot for you i think potentially to even move i think it's for younger guys to get that experience and if you have questions about your quarterback position how do they do an actual live game action so i agree with the public today sadly you know that i say sadly and i know that you think i don't really feel sad about agreeing with the public but I don't really think veteran quarterbacks need to do much in the preseason. In fact, speaking of veteran quarterbacks, I would be shocked to see Sean McVay, of all people, play Matt Stafford at all this preseason. That could also be a fun fade the public poll. Ooh, that could be a good fade the public poll. New quarterbacks especially. How are they going Mm. to manage their new quarterbacks? Whether it's, I mean, rookies are different, but coming over to a new team, you would think that you want some game time reps prior to week one, yet how much confidence do these coaches have in their quarterbacks, their veteran quarterbacks, to not really need that time? We'll find out in the preseason. Found it interesting, Dr. David Chow, ProFootballDoc.com, mentioned that a lot of these teams are going to be using Game 1 similar to Game 2 and Game 3 similar to Game 4 because there's one less preseason game than we're used to. Coming up next, hour number two here on the morning after. Stay right here on the grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204.